0: Democracy is, by definition, a system where the voices of the people are heard. And the only way we can have true democracy in this nation is if our elected officials represent the populations they serve. That's where our sponsor, ActBlue, comes in to help. By making it easier for people to participate and contribute to the causes they care about, ActBlue creates more opportunities for more voices to be heard more candidates to run, and more change to take place in our communities. Not sure who to support or how? At Blue makes it easy with its online directory. Just go to adblue.com directory, filter your search based on your preferences, and in just a couple of clicks, you can choose the candidates and causes you want to give to. It really is that simple. And honestly, no dollar amount is too big or small when it comes to preserving democracy. So go to ActBlue.com slash directory and follow atblue on Instagram at ActBlueOrg and on Twitter and Facebook at atblue to keep up with the latest in grassroots fundraising. Welcome back, Brown Girls. It's Ashanti, the host of the Brown Girls Guide to Politics. Today, we're talking about what it really means to represent a community you love. We're speaking with Assemblymember Mia Bonta, the first Afro-Latina to serve in the California legislature. Mia moved to Alameda more than 20 years ago, and she hasn't stopped working for her community for a second. From her childhood being raised in the Young Lords Party, to the moment she was sworn into California State Assembly in 2021, she's been a leader of movements to affirm her community's voice in politics. Mia tells us about the lessons she's learned through a lifetime in service and what it means to show up as her authentic self every day. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Assemblymember Bonta, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: My pleasure. It's
0: great to be with you. I just remember hearing about you in the Emerge Network and how fabulous you were. And I was like, oh my gosh, we just have to have her on this season of the podcast because your story is just so fascinating. And it really starts when you are a young girl. So you're the daughter of activists." Your parents were organizers within the Young Lords Party. Can you tell us a little bit about having that upbringing and how it put you on the path that you're on today?
1: Absolutely. So, my parents are, I was raised in New York City. My parents are Puerto Rican, that's the Black Latina. And uh, I just grew up with stories of them fighting for our basic rights to be able to be seen, uh, fighting for Access to education, childcare, housing rights—a lot of the same things that we, like, literally are still fighting for today uh, in the state of California and throughout the throughout the country. So my um, my world was filled with people who were righteous in their cause, who were somewhat militant in their perspective, and who wanted to make sure that they were raising up children. Like I have a whole generation of kind of cousins and God sisters and God brothers um, who were a part of, of the the children of the young Lord's party who continue to believe that the way that we can move forward is by being activists. And I think that the, the shift and the hope for me from my parents was that I would also, they would say, don't only fight outside of the halls of power, but make sure that you're inside of the halls of power. My mother said, I didn't chain myself to the City University of New York building doors to make sure that you could get in and your generation could get in just so that you could not take full advantage of your educational opportunities. And so that was in the ether. Those are the stories that I grew up with from when I was very young.
0: I love it so much. And of course, you did not let your parents down. So you became the first Afro-Latina to serve in the California State Legislature. And what drove you to want to run for that seat? And what was it like knowing that you were making history that you're going to be a trailblazer for all of the other Afro-Latinas that are going to follow in your footsteps? Because You gave them that representation that they needed.
1: I think what drove me to run is what a lot of women of color, Black women, Latino women are driven to run by. One is this kind of true sense of justice and belonging in one's community. And then a recognition that our sense of justice and our communities often puts us outside of what um, has been built up in our patriarchy. And so what specifically drove me to run was, quite frankly, Trump, right? So I, I ran for school board first, and it was literally on the heels of, of the Trump election that caused me to say, I can't stand for a world where we are so undereducated and and so unable to have civil discourse that Americans and can consume lies with such ease Mm. and Mm -hmm. particularly that those lies for black and brown communities could be used so powerfully against them. And so it caused me to run for school board. And then when I had the opportunity uh, to run for assembly, it was really thinking through how I had a unique opportunity, right? I had uh, already sitting on as an elected official already having a sensibility of what was happening in the state legislature and the sausage making of how the state budget gets passed and, and having that kind of access um, made me think, well, I already have all this knowledge and I already have these relationships to be able to build on. How could I not use them to be able to deal with some of the systemic issues uh, that are making my are my constituents' lives even more challenging, even as a school board member, and being um, the first uh, Black woman since Congresswoman Barbara Lee, right north of L.A. to be represented in the California State Legislature, that was something that I sat with for a really long time, and you know, I considered an incredible honor when she decided to endorse me. You know, she did not do it lightly. She She started calling me all the time and really checking in on my campaign. I felt a great sense of responsibility, not only to win, but once I got there to make sure to honor her work um, and the legacy and the path that she had created for us to move through um, to be respectful of that. And so to be the first Black Latina means I don't, you know, all I can do is make sure that I'm being very focused on pulling other women through um, those capital doors who have the ability and will add more representation to the state legislature, because mm-hmm. I cannot be the only one um, north of Los Angeles to be representing uh, representing the state of California in our districts. And quite fa- thankfully, um, I think we will have a surprise that will end that, end that streak for me. Yes. So <laughs> it was very short lived and I'm thankful for it. <laughs>
0: No, and it's like, I love it, because like you're saying, that's the way it should be. Like, you're getting there, you're seeing more women come in. And, you know, I always like to ask, what's your advice to women who run for office, and then they win, and they're in this whole new world? You know, you did school board, and now you're in the state house, and you have this experience. What are some key tips that you would give to women to help ease that? Because we know it's one thing when you're running a campaign and you got to win the campaign to get into office, but then you're there and you're like, I got to legislate and it's this entirely different path. So what are some of your key tips to help ground women when they get there, especially if they may not have that immediate knowledge and network of support, you know, that other people may have?
1: Well, I think the first is whatever you say on the campaign trail, make sure it's grounded in your values and your beliefs, because Mm -hmm. you are going to turn around a week after you win and be charged with legislating according to your values and your beliefs. And so I think that that's incredibly helpful. It, it helps to ground you. It helped, helped to ground me that there was, you know, no light between what I said on the campaign trail and what I ended up really focusing in on um, once I started to legislate. And, and then the, the second thing that I would say is like, it's in some ways just like, it's just another room. It's just another room that we mm. have to think about entering. You know, there are things that we are caused to do all the time. I never enter a room even till this day without counting the number of black and brown women that I see in the room. Uh, I still did that uh-huh. when I walked into the <laughs> in the Capitol. Um, <laughs> you know, I made sure to look sharp and look like I was there to do something and. And there's it's it's hard not to be taken aback by the austerity of the of of the capital, right? There's
0: mm-hmm. laden
1: in gold. It has you know green carpets that few people are allowed to walk on. There's a lot of kind of mystique about it. Uh, but my approach was, it's just another room, and and I have every right to be in this room as anybody else who's in this room. And I treated that kind of moment with the sense of, yes, it's an incredible honor and privilege, but again, I should not have to operate any differently in terms of who I am and what I believe in and how I move in a space than I would as if I were entering into my living room. And so I think that that's served me well. and I'll continue doing it.
0: I love that so much just showing up in your in the space as your authentic self because we have so many women who will say even on the out on the campaign trail people are like mm, why don't you just tone down your blackness a little bit why don't you just tone down being latina a little bit and what you're really saying is so you want me to tone down who i am you know, to make other people comfortable. So I especially love it when elected officials say that because I don't think you can hear it enough. It's just so important.
1: Right. And don't fall into the trappings of the space too much. On my very first day I got sworn in. It was an amazing moment. Uh, Congresswoman Lee was there. I got to have Pastor Jackie from Allen Temple Baptist Church uh, offer the convocation for the ceremony. I was surrounded by my friends and family. Uh, It was a beautiful moment. Uh, We went out to lunch and then I literally just had to go to work because I came in the last four days of session. And so I had an afternoon session starting at one. And and there was a bill about uh, broadband for all and making sure that we had digital equity that had been you know, in the last days of session, only the really hard gnarly things are left to be able to talk about. Right. And I um, (laughs) and I uh, put up my microphone to talk because I have spent a good part of my life fighting for digital equity and I believed in the bill and I raised my mic and I spoke from the heart. And don't really remember what I said, but I came back to my office and my staff members were, you know, like their their mouths were on the floor, and I was like, "What did I do?" And they're like, "Nobody speaks <laughs> on the floor without notes in front of them, and uh, and we oh. <laughs> didn't prepare you." And and then I had other members coming up to me and say, "I didn't speak for the first time on the floor for five months," and and I think I just reveled in like just again like. I had something to say, I was able to recognize that I had a contribution to make and didn't take that moment um, so heavily that it kept me from using my voice.
0: Oh, I love that story so much. And I I can see your staff's faces, like being the staffer on the (laughs) back in the day, definitely can see how, you know, they were like, oh, no, we didn't prepare her. But that's just such a good story that you were in the room. You had something to say and you just didn't back down. Even though you had only been there for like a few hours, you immediately used your voice. I love that story so much. Thanks. We'll be back after a word from our sponsor. Democracy can be messy and change can take time. Over the last year, we know it's been easy to get frustrated, but the only way we can make progress on everything from access to healthcare, reproductive justice, protecting our planet, and preserving our freedom to just be ourselves is by electing leaders who share our values and our goals. There are some critical elections coming up in 2022, and while voting won't solve every problem, change won't be possible unless we head to the ballot box. We saw the electoral power black and brown voters had in 2020, and it's time for us to make our voices heard again this year. Join me by visiting fairfight.com today to learn more about the important elections at stake in 2022 and how you can be a part of the movement to ensure all of our voices are heard. And here's more of my conversation with Mia Bonta. One of the things I also want to talk about, you know, you just mentioned your work on broadband. We talked about education. And you have also spoken openly and honestly about your childhood and how housing and security impacted you. And you're also the former CEO of Oakland Promise, which provides cradle to college support and career support for Oakland youth. And I just love this. I used to work at the Department of Labor under Secretary Solis. And this is like my favorite thing when we got to do things with the Employment and Training Administration and young people. So tell us a little bit more about that work and other topics that you have been fighting for since getting sworn in at the end, and just getting immediately to work.
1: So I think uh, I, am you know, I grew up Recognizing the deep privilege that I had within educational system that ended up working well for me, um, and I've also had a path and kind of a, a work path of being able to support other children and students as they pursued their educational uh, dreams. And particularly, college has been really important to me in higher education and post high school opportunities, as well as early childhood. So, so for me, I've always cradle to career work is kind of fundamental to who I am and, and what I've been about. Um, when I came into the legislature, recognizing that I'm coming from an incredibly activist district. I mean, the Oakland's the the home to the black Panther party. Right. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I knew that I had a lot, a wealth of resources to pull from, from my own district uh, to think about how the state legislature needed to be different around how the the policies they were promoting uh, really focused particularly on issues that are seen as third real issues. Like one particular issue for me is around criminal justice reform. And I spent those first four days in the legislature before we went into intercession, really understanding that there was a, a lot more tentativeness to really go out there and do things like recognize that we need transformational change in how we, um, incarcerate people, how we focus on supporting rehabilitation, how we focus on res- supporting re-entry and how we support victims, uh, and people who are kind of in, in, in communities experiencing poverty and the impacts of the, that poverty that they have. So, um, so for me in my legislative package, and one thing I will be, I think, very focused on is really around gun violence prevention, and specifically building up our our justice system, our criminal justice system, to be able to undo a lot of the harms that we've had and we've been having on particularly Black and Brown people for for far too long. So I'm really excited to have. A group of other legislators who you know, believe as strongly as I do that we have a lot of work to do in that area. And I think that that's where I'm hoping to uh, push the edge, if you will, on um, the kind of legislation that the state of California passes. And education and, and youth work is always going to be in my heart. It's always going to come very easily to me. And mm-hmm. uh, by my first legislative package, I have 24 bills that we're moving forward. Um, a good handful of those are, wow. are deeply around education and youth. Uh, and then the others are really around uh, around criminal justice and and housing and, and some of the other areas that I know that we need to do better around.
0: That's a lot. It is a Why lot. Why am I surprised, though? <laughs> Why am I surprised, though? You went there to get things done and you're already moving.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um My staff is holding down the fort. I have an amazing team. Um, I ended up bringing on people who were all um, connected to the district in some way or another. It's a majority black and brown uh, and API team. So I'm really fortunate uh, for that as well.
0: So Assemblymember Bonta, you have had just an amazing career fighting for the people, fighting for women what is one of the key lessons learned that you would like to share with the BGG community?
1: I will say be deliberate about your intention. And Mm. that doesn't mean go out and like run for office tomorrow. Quite frankly, it means being thoughtful about the change that you seek to make. Uh, And and then put your mind towards putting all the pieces in place that will allow for that thing to manifest itself. I was quite happy for a very long time, kind of in the nonprofit sector. I'd spent twenty five years in the nonprofit sector, felt like I was, you know, had an impact on an individual child's life or a family's life, and also had the ability to start impacting some of the broader policies that um, influence the different kinds of opportunities that children and families have. And, and it took me a really long time. And I was very deliberate about thinking about running for elected office and then running for higher elected office. So and I think that's okay. Yeah, we, as uh, particularly women of color, like we take on a lot. We raise our children. We are the backbone for our communities. We take care of our elders. We take care of our mm-hmm. family members. We're oftentimes the primary earners in our families. And so we are doing a lot. And we have to give ourselves some grace while we're doing all of that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when we see the opportunity, and we see that kind of window opening up for ourselves. Gift yourself, gift yourself the knowledge that you have a right to go through that window and seize that opportunity because you've worked really hard for it.
0: That is so beautiful, assembly member. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your time. And thank you for all the great work that you're doing.
1: Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Take care. And thank you for creating this beautiful
0: space. Oh, thank you for joining this space. Be thoughtful about the change that you seek to make and then put your mind towards it, putting all the pieces in place that will allow for that thing to manifest itself. When I started the BTG almost four years ago now, I wanted for women of color to know the various entry points into politics. For me, I've been lucky to work on campaigns at political committees and presidential administrations, and will be celebrating six years at Emerge in 2022. When I helped found Emerge Nevada, I never envisioned myself working for the organization, let alone being the national president. But throughout my career, I was always thoughtful about where I felt I could best fulfill my political passions and do it while having joy. And when I thought about it, it always came back to ensuring that other women of color felt seen, heard, and had opportunities. So in conclusion, take time to think about how you can best be of service in a way that fulfills you, helps your community, and lets you blaze trails for others to follow. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. Please take time to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast. For more information on the Brown Girls Guide to Politics, you can find us at www.thebgguide.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The BG Guide. The Brown Girls Guide to Politics podcast is produced by Wondermia Network and you can find them at wondermianetwork.com. Check out our next episode where we'll be talking to Sadaf Jafar, the first Muslim woman mayor in the country and the first Muslim woman to serve in the New Jersey State House. Until next time, Brown Girls.